Life is hard. But it could be worse. Life is hard. But it could be worse. Welcome back to the Life is Hard podcast. And it is hard this week, let me tell you. Actually, I feel like I've been talking for hours. I don't know. I think my voice is going to go before this is finished. So, yeah, um, we've got some crazy stuff for you tonight, including cow diets and and cold water shock and... Oh, and our necrotizing fasciitis that we did not get to last week. It so, are we getting, are we doing the drinking game again with necrotizing fasciitis? Has the bourbon supply been replenished? I have no idea. Well, if you have booze, you might have a. You know, you might be one of those people who has a well-stocked bar in your home. I've never been one of those people. I, I when I drink, I have this thing. Like, I'll go to the liquor store. I'll get a bottle of uh, whiskey. My thing is usually some kind of you know not really expensive, just something I can sip on. And then I will drink like a shot of that whiskey every day, usually before I go to bed, until it's gone. And like I never get like a well-stocked bar. I'll never have like all these. That's a long time, isn't it? eh, It usually takes roughly a month. Really? There's only 30 shots in a bottle of liquor? Oh, no, there's less than that. I think think it's like 20 days it takes to finish it off because it's... It's what sixteen ounces, right? And a shot is an ounce, or, or it's if it's a big bottle, it's thirty-two ounces. But a shot is technically, I think, an ounce and a half. So, I don't um, know. yeah, you're never going to get more I was, than thirty. I thought shots. it was a fifth. I don't know what it's a fifth of, but it's a fifth of. Something. See, this is the oh man, don't get me started on units. I mean, this is so stupid. If you look at the bottle, it has milliliters on it. Right, it's like 375 milliliters or something. And it's like, okay, so what the fuck? Right? I mean, can we agree on what this bottle is? is it's it a, a fifth. It's a fifth. Yeah, well, you won't find that on the bottle. I just don't know what it's a fifth of. Is it a fifth of a gallon? A fifth of a liter? A fifth of a quart? It would almost have to be a fifth of a gallon because that would be, what, a little, little less than a quart. But I don't think it is. I think they come in 16 and 32 ounce bottles. So I don't think there's any relationship. Maybe the old, in the old days, a fifth was... I mean, get a, get somebody who knows more about this shit than I do, because I just buy it and drink it. And when it's gone, I just, I take, it takes me a few weeks to a month to buy it again, but I never get a stockpile. So if you're one of those people, because I have friends that have bars. They've got like vodka and scotch and whiskey, you know, five different kinds of whiskey and whatever. And I'm like... How do you keep this in your house? How does this stay? I'm like, if I had this, I would just take a shot every night, and eventually it'll all be gone. And well, I'm sure they go back. And buy more? Yeah. Yeah, but that's expensive. That is a lot of money sitting there. I mean, if you figure all those bottles were full, that would be like $1,000 worth of liquor. Anyway, so so that's our drinking game. If you want to uh, drink, um, you, you can't drink just because one of these words is used. They have to be used, both of them, in the proper sequence. So it's not fasciitis necrotizing. It has to be necrotizing fasciitis. Shouldn't be uh, easy to miss. I think that you'll, you won't, you know, when it comes up, I don't think you'll miss it. So It has to be what? Necrotizing fasciitis. Drink. Oh, my God. They're going to be drunk before we get started. You tricked me. <laughs> So I guess okay. Before we jump in, before we jump into serious stuff, uh, I don't know if you've seen this in the news, but apparently somebody's been looking at the beta software for FaceTime uh, from Apple, and one of the things that they did was was made it so it tracks your eyeballs and adjusts them. In other words, just the appearance of your eyeballs. 
as the person on the other side sees them. So it looks like you're looking at them instead of looking at your phone. It reaches out from the computer and grabs your eyeballs and drags them upward. Yeah, I'm curious how far, like how far your eyeballs could be off. Like if you could be looking off, you know, at something completely different and totally ignoring them. And it makes it look like you're looking right at them, you know, looking right into I their soul. I want to see what that looks like. I bet that looks creepy as hell. It might. I don't know. Because the problem, in case anybody's never done FaceTime, is that you're looking at the person's picture on your phone. And because you're looking at the picture on the phone, you're not looking at the camera, which is generally above that. So it looks like you're right. looking down below them. You're not looking them right. in the eye. You're looking them in tits, right? Sweet. Yeah. So this adjusts that. And I think Apple had good intentions. I mean, they wanted it to be so that you could look the person in the eye on the phone and look like you were looking them in the eye to them. It's all why, kind of, why don't they just move the camera to the middle of the screen? Just put it right in the middle of the screen. You know, that might be coming. Like behind the screen. Probably because you'd put a damn fingerprint over it, and then it would look like crap. Yeah, I guess. I always have to touch my screen on my phone. I have this thing, this non-consensual touch thing. I just touch it all over. I'm like, oh, look. Just touch this. <laughs> when I look at it at the end of the day, it's got fingerprints everywhere, and I'm like, oh, my God, I've just like molested this thing to death. Yeah, I guess that would mess up the camera. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure somebody's thought of it and considered it. it there may be all kinds of reasons why it can't go there. I, I do know how the screens work, and the screens are not trivial. Like, it isn't just a piece of glass. It's got right, a whole yeah. array of uh, sensors. Well, it's capacitative, but still there's a sensor in the fact that it's a touch screen. So if you put the camera there, you'd probably have a dead spot in your touch interface. Right. Which could end up well, being... Well, okay. Right so where, it's a horrible idea. All right, their creepy well, eye thing is better. It's not... I wouldn't use horrible. That wouldn't be the word I would use. I would use a word like necrotizing fasciitis. No, I... I some, Drink. Some, I knew some, you were going to do that. <laughs> no, no. The word I would use would be technically imperfect. That's the word I would actually use. Or the two words I would use. Um, <sighs> so since we're there, we might as well hit the... Um, oh, well, one last thing, because I don't want to go... We, we can't forget that Taco Bell ran out of uh, tortillas. Oh, man. I was just about to go there. Were you? Yeah, it's about that time, right? Oh, to Taco Bell. Right? I don't know if yeah. there's still a lot of tortillas, but it hit the Twitter world. The Twitter world went crazy uh, when Taco Bell announced that they were out of tortillas. They're like, how can this happen? <laughs> Next thing you know, there'll be a black aerial. I mean, it's like the equivalent of Russia running out of vodka. Yeah, well, they ran out of bread a lot, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. But I don't think they ever run out of vodka. That would cause riots in the streets. Yeah, that black that black aerial thing, I don't know if we want to get into that tonight. No, that's fine. I was just throwing it out. Because yeah. you said the Twitterverse got excited, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that stirred the pot. That was kind of like kicking a hornet's nest on that one. People don't get the idea that I don't want to talk about it or that I'm afraid to talk about it. I am not afraid, okay? I am not afraid to talk about anything. Uh, but we just don't have time because we have science. We have science tonight. We, we, we didn't do the science. science segment in our last recording because we flat ran out of time. We just had to cut you off. Sorry. Um, and I apologize to anybody who listened to that recording and isn't listening to this one because you got cheated. But I don't right. know how the hell you would know I'm apologizing to you if you're not listening to this one. So this makes no sense at all. <laughs> so on the list of science topics, we have the... This really, this is a cool discovery, okay, people? You have to realize how awesome this is. So they did some testing with, with the diets of cows because cows, I don't even know if we should single out cows, but ruminants have this, you know, the digestive system where what they- What is a ruminant? Uh, an animal with two stomachs. Okay. Yeah, they have a rumen. 
which is the other stomach. Anyway, the, the, the thing is that they chew their cud, right? So what happens is they can eat grass, which is really hard to digest because it goes into the first stomach. And then after a certain amount of time, they regurgitate it, chew it again, and swallow it into the second stomach. So they've got a two, uh, two-step yep. processing. Yeah, so they can eat things we can't eat. Well, the side effect of that is that they burp a lot of methane because when you digest really uh, you know, hard-to-digest things like grass, you have bacteria that produce a lot of methane and uh, processes that produce methane. So anyway, they, they burp a lot of methane, and I guess they probably fart some too. But what these researchers discovered was if they altered their diet just a little bit and added some particular type of seaweed... 1% of their diet make, would be this particular type of seaweed. They found out that it cut their methane output by half, which you may not think it's a really a big deal because, you know, what's a burping cow got to do with, you know, global warming? But the, What does a burping cow have to do with global warming? I'm I glad I am you glad you asked because it has nothing to do with necrotizing fasciitis. Drink. So what a burping cow has to do with global warming is that, first of all, methane is far more potent than carbon dioxide. So you don't need that much methane to have an effect. But secondly, there's, oh, I forgot the number, but there's millions and millions of cows on the face of this planet. So it's kind of a big deal when you look at the aggregate. So the aggregate, they estimate, is the equivalent, the carbon dioxide equivalent of our entire transportation system. So if you think of all the cars, trucks, buses, trains, it's a big deal, right? All the output of all those. So cutting that in half is the equivalent of taking half the cars off the road or, or doubling the fuel economy in all the vehicles or whatever you want to do is your analogy. But the fact that we can do this just by adding something to the cow's diet that probably, since we only have to add 1%, probably isn't going to increase the cost of feeding the cows by very much, by a significant amount. And nobody has to stop eating meat. Nobody has to stop driving their car. We can cut this methane output in half pretty simply, which is really exciting to me because I'm always trying to figure out ways that we can mitigate climate change without having to get people to make huge sacrifices because you simply can't get people to do that. Right. I mean, it took years to get people to recycle, and there's a lot of people who still don't recycle because that's too much trouble. But People do eventually come around. This is something I think we can do if, if it gets implemented, which who knows. I've seen it, by the way, I've seen a lot of good ideas come and go without anybody doing anything with them. Like it just like, oh, that was a great idea. Whatever happened to it? Uh, it just died. Well, that's par for the course with good ideas, isn't it? Well, all my good ideas die, but I think that says more about the idea than it does about you know, I'm just saying, they might not be as good as I think they are. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Like, I have plenty of good ideas, and I think it's just the fact that nobody listens to me that is the problem, not the fact that the idea is bad. Right, right, exactly. So apparently, um, speaking of bad ideas, apparently a lot of people... Speaking of nobody listening to me, continue on. Um, well, yeah, sorry about that. I'm only one person. <laughs> I'm, there's thousands of people listening to you right now. I'm just the one uh, person who doesn't uh, listen to you. Uh-huh. And I do actually listen to you sometimes. And sometimes I go back into the recording and play back what you said so I can realize what it was I didn't listen to. Right, sure you do. But um, but it, when I was reading this science article um, about uh, cold water shock, it was shocking to me to find out that more people die of cold water shock than people that die like cycling, you know, riding bicycle, which is, a, I'm not saying it's a huge killer, but still, you wouldn't think that that many people would be jumping into ice cold water or by fire it said which i think this is the article is talking about the uk so i'm not sure what the united states statistics on that are yeah but i think they have more cyclists in the uk 
So, I mean, it would even, to me, it would be even more uh, more extreme of an example. More shocking. But didn't they say that, like, like something like 150 people died from, from jumping into cold water or something? A year uh, or something? Remember. I don't remember was how a, many it was. It was a significant number of people, anyway. And, and It's a ridiculous number of people. Why are people jumping into cold water? Well, that's my first question. And I do have some experience with this, by the way, because I've kayaked in uh, ice-cold water in the mountains. Um, you, basically, you're kayaking in melting snow, uh, and it's, I was thinking they were talking about like polar bear jumps, you know, or not polar. Yeah, yeah, the pol- yeah. When you jump into like you cut a hole in the ice, I've done that too. Well, yeah, where they you know they make a day of it, and people like strip naked as they're running down the beach and jump into Lake Superior or whatever it is, and like oh, it's oh, the polar Lake plunge, Superior, so you know what I'm talking about? Cold. But yeah, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Like, like okay, but that's not what the that's not what the article said. Though. The article was talking about jumping in on a summer day, expecting the water to be warm. And then all of a sudden, you drown. Oh. Well, yeah, okay, so let's talk about the mechanism of the drowning. Um, cause, sure. Like I said, I've had some experience with getting into cold water unexpectedly, so I know what it feels like. But uh, but the mechanism of the drowning is that when you are hit with all this cold at once, you apparently your skin is overwhelmed by the uh, cold sensor, uh, the sudden, sudden change in temperature anyway. And uh, it literally takes the breath away from you. You you sort of lose the ability to hold your breath because you're. <gasps> and and by the way, I can I can attest to this, okay? Because I've <laughs> especially kayaking when I wasn't expecting to go in. And and by the way, when I'm kayaking in cold water, I'm wearing a wetsuit, which insulates you a lot from this effect. But it still takes the breath out of your. I, I like I would hit that water and be like, ah! like it's just like you can't help it. You're just it literally right. takes. You basically the, panic and hyperventilate and then drown. Well, you take water in your lungs because you can't hold your breath. Yeah, that's the the mechanism. Like if so, if you go under and see, we don't usually when we do the cold the cold the polar bear plunge thing in Minnesota, we don't go under. That's that's one of the things that you know you, you jump in, but you you jump in in such a way that you don't go completely into the water. I mean, some people might, but for the most part, that's not what you do. And I think at least on your first jump, you wouldn't. And and they did say that once you've acclimated a little bit to the cold water, it's not so bad. And they said one of the survival techniques is to just try to lie there and float until <laughs> until you can breathe normally again. That was my favorite part of the article. <laughs> like, yeah. So if you find yourself in this situation, fight your instincts. Yeah, which to, is to thrash, to flail, which is to thrash right, about. To flail about yeah. and whatever, and just remain still and calm and float. And like, I'm sure that I'm going to one day be exposed to cold water unexpectedly, and I'm going to go, okay, let me think here. I'm supposed to remain calm. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, it's like, I deal with situations like that and I've actually taught myself to do things that were unnatural. Like, for instance, when I'm going back to sure, my kayaking experience. you could practice. I'm just Yeah, yeah, but, it, but, but you, if you have it in your head, like if you've planned ahead, if you've said, okay, if this happens, this is what I have to do. By the way, that's one of the things I talk about when uh, they talk about when you're under stress, you, you tend to forget things. So, See? like, you should plan every morning before the morning begins. Like, in other words, leave your keys in the same spot every day. If you need to do something the next morning before you leave for work, like you need to take something with you to work or you need to, to do something specific before you go, make sure that you have left yourself a note or put this thing that you have to take with you where you can't forget it. But because when you're in a rush, when you're under stress, you forget stuff. Like you can't find your keys. If you think about it, every time you can't find your keys, it's not when you have lots of time. 
It's not like, oh, I have all the time in the world to find my keys, so let me just, you know, start from the kitchen and work my way to the bedroom and, you know, I will find them in time. No, no, it's when you're in a hurry. It's like, I need to get out the door. Oh, shit, where are my keys? Like, oh, my God, well, I can't find them. That's because you don't look for them until you need them. Well, but I guess the guy's saying that you kind of lose your mind when you're under stress. And so the, yeah, I get it. the goal is to sort of prepare for that by pre-thinking what you have to do. And that's the same thing in a survival situation. You pre-think it so that when you when that situation happens, you're not suddenly going, oh my God, what do I do? You're going, oh, I, I, there is something in my head that's telling me, you know, yes, my instinct is a panic, but I've been told and I've, and I've rehearsed this in my mind to, to tell myself, even in this stressful situation, that there's something better that I should be doing. But I, I gotta tell you, the key, the key thing is funny because I, I was looking for my keys one time and just going crazy. Like I was looking everywhere, everywhere they could possibly be. They weren't, you know, I'm not usually bad about losing my keys. And I was, I don't know if I was late for work or if I was just in a hurry to get to work, but I was hustling and I couldn't find my freaking keys. And I was so frustrated. Finally, I, I went to say necrotizing fasciitis. No, actually I went to cuss. But but in order to cuss, in order to say, God, you know, I uh, had to take my keys out of my mouth. <laughs> Honest to God, the whole time I was looking for them, I was holding them between my teeth. It had to be the stupidest thing. I, well, maybe not been the stupidest thing I've ever done, but it was it was up there. It was in the top. That's almost as bad as at night, like when it's dark, you take out your phone and turn on the flashlight so that you can scan the area to find your phone. Oh, really? Yeah, I could see that. Have yeah. you ever done that? No, no. I actually don't usually use my phone as a flashlight. It's like a last yeah. thought, because I always have a flashlight, so I, when I can use my phone as a flashlight, I'm always like, oh shit, I can use this as a flashlight, because I'm looking around for a flashlight, and I've got my phone, and I'm like, oh, that's right, my phone can do this. But yeah. Yes, but if you use your phone as a flashlight to, to try find to your find phone. your phone in the dark, that's... And you'll that's never find it. So back to the cold water thing, though. Like, I've already got the plan for this. I don't need to worry about fighting my instincts. Don't go outside. I don't know how many times I have to tell people, just stay in your house and don't do anything. That's safe. What if you accidentally run a cold tub of water and jump into it? (laughs) Then you're going to crack your head on the porcelain and cold water shock is not going to be the cause of your death. No, but necrotizing fasciitis might be... Oh, you better explain what this stuff is before we get Well, drunk. you know, okay, we're still in the You've science. you said it a hundred times. In, in case anybody thinks that I've digressed from the science segment, we are still in the science segment, okay? That's right. Yeah. I think we're never getting yeah, out of most the science of this, segment. most of this podcast tonight is going to be science. So this is kind of a, this isn't really a conspiracy theory, but this is kind of one of those things that I'm really uh, not, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. I'm kind of not very trusting of our, of our government and its messages we talk skeptical yeah not just skeptical but but i question their motives and i question whether or not they're giving us the whole truth about these things mm. and those of you who have seen jaws the ancient movie with the white great white shark that was attacking people they resisted telling people there was a great white shark killing people because they didn't want the tourists to leave and and not spend their money we had that same thing happen here um in North Carolina, when the Fisteria outbreak happened, which the, the Fisteria outbreak, we had a we had an outbreak of. <laughs> I love the names of these things. Yeah, yeah, they, well, all, they all sound like fetishes. Go I know, ahead. I know. Well, okay, but but I'm f- into Fisteria. 
There's actually a book written about this, and uh, essentially what happened was there was a, you know, it was warm weather, kind of like now, the water was warm, and there was a lot of uh, nutrients coming down from hog farms, and, and to not blame the hog farms entirely, there's nutrient runoff from people's yards and stuff also. But the nutrient buildup in the river was high, and this particular dinoflagellate, which is what it is, is a dinoflagellate, was 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 uh populating well this is not funny it was it was okay. reaching you know epidemic levels and was killing fish there was a huge fish kill and these fish had red sores that open sores on them which is a bad sign if you Yuck. see fish with open sores there's something wrong like it isn't just that the fish died from like normally what happens with the fish kill is the water gets really warm and the oxygen level in the water gets too low and the fish basically suffocate. So you'll see dead fish, but they don't have open sores on them. Well, in this case, they had open sores on them. And the people who discovered this were, were collecting the fish and, and getting in the water and doing stuff. And later on, they ended up having like severe neuro, neuro, neurological problems. They had like loss of memory, had a hard time finding their way home. I mean, it was bad. And, uh, and for, for quite a while, North Carolina was denying that there was a problem. And researchers from like North Carolina State were like one lady who was uh, who was really pushing North Carolina to do something and doing research and basically sounding the alarm for this lost her career. She was beaten, you know, that her peers and the state were all saying, you don't have the proof. You shouldn't be saying these things. It's irresponsible. And she eventually got literally drummed out of her job over this. And eventually the state had to admit that this was real and that people were being fucked up by it and uh, and that it wasn't and so she got her job back and everybody was compensated for actually it, right? i'm not sure she did i'm pretty sure it was gene burkholder oh um, i figured she did not i was being sarcastic oh, oh yeah 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 um, i don't know if you're familiar with sarcasm but i'd use it a lot it's not like necri- necrotizing fasciitis is it we're never gonna get to what that okay, is. okay but <laughs> no we are actually i'm gonna get there because i I'm, I'm getting close i guess what i'm saying though is okay so north carolina didn't want to tell people to stay out of the water or to stay away from north carolina or whatever they want to talk about it because it was going to hurt tourism right of course it goes back to the jaws thing and we talked a while back about the hospitals having a i believe it was a bacteria that they couldn't kill right that was causing serious harm to patients but they were it's like spread to 77 countries and they're hesitant to talk about it they won't they tell didn't people. want to tell tell you because they didn't want you to not go to the hospital for fear of dying of this crazy right fungus. right so anyway there's that and then there's this new thing okay we had a a mold in a seattle children's hospital and they've now declared uh, that that mold has been cleaned up and that their er's are open again and all that but it killed one person and infected uh, uh i think five more that's another case of something, you know, where, where you know, it's kind of like they don't they don't want to talk about these things. So recently in the in the news, we've had several cases of different people getting uh, these flesh eating bacteria of various forms. Um, one being the necrotizing fasciitis, um, Drink. which is not the same. Um, I can't even say it. Um, epidermisplasia or whatever. It's not the same. Just so, just so you know. But, but <laughs> thank God you cleared that up. <laughs> But a 77-year-old woman in Florida uh, got this necrotizing fasciitis because she had a small cut on her leg when she went in, in the water, and she died. So and what is this thing? Is it an infection? Is that what you're saying? It's, it's a bacteria. Okay. And it lives in the water. 
prefers brackish water, brackish water being the mix between freshwater and saltwater. So so you've got saltwater that's in the main ocean, it's very salty. You've got freshwater coming down the river, and then when the two mix, they call it brackish water. And that's where okay. the stuff is most commonly found. But apparently, because looking at the history here, it's also found in saltwater because the 77-year-old woman was walking on the beach, which would be saltwater, and then the 12-year-old from Indiana... Uh, who got the necrotizing fasciitis on her leg uh, was in it was on the beach in Florida on vacation. Now she didn't die. Florida, of course. Yeah, both of those were in Florida. Actually, of Florida course. seems, but Florida is not the only one that has this. Anyway, they didn't die. Uh, the twelve-year-old didn't die, but she has had multiple surgeries on her leg and is going to have to learn to walk again. It was that bad. I mean, it's, this is some serious stuff. But then a Maryland boy, and he didn't fare too badly, he got the, the Vibrio form, which is a flesh-eating bacteria, but it's not the necrotizing fasciitis. Um, I don't think it's quite as bad, but it can be. It, it can kill people. It does kill people. And there's quite a few cases of that because you can get that from eating uh, uncooked shellfish. So that's a little more common, actually. Quit being shellfish. I know, I know, I'm trying. But anyway, he was at a beach in Maryland uh, when he got this vibriosis. You can get that from the water or from eating undercooked seafood. And, but the uh, bigger point is that none of these stories, even though you're finding them in the news, it's not like on NBC, it's not on CNN, right? Yeah, it's well, like they're not telling people. I, I wonder how many. I wonder how many stories we're not hearing. And and by the way, every article you read about these things, it will talk about it. It will tell you how terrible it is, and then it will say, and oh, by the way, all these people had an open wound, so don't go in the water with an open wound, and you're not likely to have a problem with it if you have a strong immune system. You're more at risk if you're a man over 50 who's prone to liver spots, or if you're on some sort of immune system depressant or whatever. So, so they They're may, victim blaming. Well, kind of, but they're also trying to comfort people who are going to the beach and say, you're okay. If you don't have any open wounds and you're healthy, you have nothing to fear. And see, this is where I am suspicious. But just just to let you know the the, the um, extent of the vibriosis, it says uh, in the article I read, it says it infects eighty thousand people in this country every year, and it kills a hundred. Um, wow. And there was one more case I want to talk about of that because there was a guy by the name of Tyler King who claims he contracted Vibrio uh, working at Santa Rosa Beach without ever contacting the water, which is an unusual claim. But uh, either way, that's yet another case. Uh, that's been in the news in the past like eight days. So that guy, though, that story, I was a little bit suspicious of because it said, you know, he's oh, I didn't even go in the water, blah blah blah, and then it said later, so and so Tyler, whatever his name is, who owns a water sports company, and I'm like, wait a second. Now, if you own a water sports company, who knows if like it was on the bottom of a sea do? Yeah, yeah, he was exposed. Shit like he that. was exposed was like, to something. I mean, obviously, yeah, he, he didn't get this bacteria from the air. Um, well, I'm just saying to say I've never been in the water when you own a water sports company is kind of fishy. Yeah, well, the, no pun intended. The, my final story is from today. Um, today being the 9th of July, they closed the beaches in a bunch of beaches in Mississippi, and they had already closed some in um, Louisiana. But the reason that they had to close the beaches was because there was an algal boom, bloom, sorry, of... Uh, bloom. Uh, what? Algal, an algae bloom. Um, algae is probably easier to say than algal. But but anyway, the um, the algae is actually a freshwater algae. It's a blue-green algae uh, cyanobacteria. This particular one thrives in freshwater, and the amount of freshwater coming down the river because of the recent flooding in the Midwest 
is uh, is so high that the salt the salinity level of the beaches is low enough for this freshwater algae to survive. And uh, apparently it's been blooming really heavily in the river and in the lakes, you know, like Lake Pontchartrain and stuff like that. Um, it creates like a fluorescent green glaze over the water. It's, it's, it's actually pretty, but it's also deadly. Anyway, so it's taken over the beaches, uh, like all up and down the state of Mississippi and, and Louisiana, and they've had to close those, which I guess they couldn't convince people the water was safe when it was covered in green cyanobacteria. But Yeah, well, at least they closed them. Well, I think because it's so obvious, plus they said, you know, you have... Um, um, if you have contact with this stuff, and by the way, even breathing it, like being close to the beach, I, I know this This wasn't in the article, but I know this from, because I work with the Riverkeeper, we do cyanobacteria, something we study, but even breathing the um, the spores and stuff uh, that are in the air, you can potentially have some side effects from that. See, don't go outside. Yeah, well, anyway, I, I guess that was my last story, and my conclusion on all this is a couple of things. One is that we are screwing things up. This is just the beginning, people. This is this is why I'm such a like adamant, you know, we have to stop polluting, we have to stop changing the climate, we have to stop, because the warmer waters and these uh, huge rain events and all these things that are, are definitely a result of climate change, if someone wants to argue with me, you're free to do so, but I can, I can demonstrate all this stuff scientifically, so go for it. The, um, Please do it in the comments at www.lifeishardpodcast.com. Yeah, and stop spamming us, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, the point is that we, we're causing this stuff to happen. We're not necessarily, like, we're not making these bacteria exist. They've always existed, but we've given them warmer water, more nutrients, because the nutrients come from all the fertilizers we dump in our yards, from the factory farms and all this stuff. It all washes down. Everything washes down. That's another reason why that algal bloom is so bad in Mississippi. It's not just the water's warm, but the Mississippi River is carrying all the fertilizer and dung and whatever washed into the river when they had these heavy rains. And so there's just tons, literally tons of nutrients for algae and plants to feed on. Um, it's, it's basically full of shit. Well, yeah. Well, that and chemical <laughs> fertilizers too. But yeah, there's a lot of shit. Uh, which is why, you know, factory farming is a real issue. And anyway, so, but the point I'm trying to make is simply, we have to stop this because this is the beginning. This is just the beginning. This is just the tip of the iceberg. At some point, the water we want to play in is going to be toxic to us. And not just to us. This killed dolphins. It's going to kill, you know, uh, marine life. It's going to leave our oceans dead, which, by the way, is a source of, like, something like 70% of our food. You know, we're, we're killing things. And also, I, I really do think that the government is hesitant to tell you how dangerous it is. So, I have nothing to base this on, okay? This is just coming, <laughs> this is coming from my previous experience with these type of events as, as a riverkeeper person, as somebody who's studied these things. The governments really care about tourism dollars. It's a big deal. It's a lot of money in the summertime. And Florida is not going to come out and say, hey, people, we recommend you don't get in the water. Okay, they're not going to say that. Not unless everybody that goes in the water is dropping dead. So I suggest people be cautious, more so than what they're telling you to be. You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy your vacation, but maybe you should swim in the pool and hang out by the ocean, but don't actually go in the ocean. I don't know. I don't want to tell you what to do, but I would be, I would be skeptical. I would be suspicious. I would play it safe. Well, I'm not beholden to the tourism industry, so I will not only tell you to not go in the water or not go outside, but I will especially 1,000% tell you to never, ever, ever 
go to Florida. Like, for anything, <laughs> for any reason at all, there is no good reason like to ever Florida. be in Florida, ever. The stand your ground stuff. The yeah. People, like people getting eaten by alligators. There's the lady with the open wounds that you're talking about. Uh, Florida's going to be underwater in 25 years. Yeah. Uh, we've done all kinds of Florida. Florida is just a Florida sucks all around. Like it's just a terrible state. You don't want to. You don't want to go there. The longer we run this podcast, the less use I have for Florida at all. But it could. It's a sad state of Can't affairs. Can we just sell it to Cuba? Next week. We're going to tell you why you shouldn't go to China. Life is hard. (laughs) But it could be worse. Life is hard. But it could be worse. Life is hard. But it could be worse. Life is hard. But it could be worse.